Welcome to the RUF Berkeley podcast. RUF is a campus fellowship centered around experiencing and expressing the love of God to our campus, our classmates, and our community. For more information, check out our website at rufberkeley.com or find us on Instagram at rufberkeley. Psalm 122. Let us go to the house of the Lord, a song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. So this semester, we've been diving kind of headlong into the Psalms. We've been talking about it in both small group and large group. And each week in large group, we've been looking at a Psalm of Ascent. And for context, the Psalm of Ascent, um, or the Psalms of Ascent, are the Psalms 120 through 134. And they were normally sung as corporate worship by the people that were ascending or walking the road to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was the city where God had chosen to build his temple, um, and it was where most of the worship happened. So that's kind of where we've chosen to land the plane this semester. Um, We've kind of built a home there, and I know that in our current state right now, everything kind of tends to either be depressing and exhausting or kind of overwhelming and chaotic. So our goal in the series is to equip you with the language from scripture to kind of describe the current state of the world and the current state of how you're feeling. So in the pandemic right now, what that means is you can describe what it looks like and you can express what it looks like to ask God, like, where are you in this? Um, You can look at the racial tension surrounding us and ask Jesus to come quickly Um, but it also gives us a lot of other language to describe just any doubts that you have, any other feelings that you have. Uh, but we also hope that by immersing ourselves in the Psalms this semester, that we'll become better rooted in the basic things of the Christian life. Um, and that's not to say that it's like, oh my God, so basic, like pumpkin spice lattes or like Ugg boots, both of which are things that I love, by the way. Um, It's mostly to say that the truths that we're encountering are not elementary, they're basic, and that they're fundamental to the Christian life. So no matter how old you get, how long you've been a Christian, you constantly need to be reminded of these things. Um, Another way to put this is just to say that the truths that we encounter in the Psalms are the primary colors of life, uh, red, yellow, blue. Um, You need them to color kind of everything else that you see. Um, and you need them to have a colorful life. So the last week, last couple weeks, we've talked about two fundamentals. Chase kind of talked about the first steps on the road, and the first step is stopping. Um, We stop to acknowledge that everything is not okay, and the second one we talked about is the necessity of turning from ourselves or turning inward and instead turning to God. Um, So knowing that we need his help, We need his assistance. We need his protection. And today in Psalm 122, we're going to dig into another foundation of the Christian life, which is worship. On the road of the Christian life, worship 
is all of the road signs. I'll say that again. On the Christian, on the road of the Christian life, worship is all of the road signs. Um, for those of you that know me, which is all of you at this point, I'm a big driver. You might not have known that about me. Um, and I love to kind of wander around exploring, listening to music or a podcast or something. And that's not great for the mileage on my car or my wallet in terms of gas, but it does mean that I've driven a lot and I've seen a lot of roads. Um, I got my first car in college. It was a big old Suburban um, that was like a dark navy blue and it was missing the third row, which hilariously enough because it had captain seats also meant um, that this Suburban only fit four people. So it was an enormous car, like very, very little cargo. Um, and I called it like Big Blue or The Whale or Baby Blue or Blue's Clues. It kind of had a like variety of nicknames. And some of you actually that have been here for a while have ridden in that car. Um, it has passed, sadly, but it was a great car. And it was the first car I had. And every summer and winter break from school, I would drive that car down to Southern California, which is where I'm from. And I would take the 580 to the 5 to the 138 to home. And for anybody that that sentence was triggering for, I would take Interstate 580 to Interstate 5 to Highway 138. Um, now all of you know how to get to my house, which is totally fine. Um, and when the break was over, I would drive all the way back up um, and get to my apartment, which was here in Berkeley. I lived on Parker. And um, so... On that drive, I became really familiar kind of with every single exit sign or mile marker or posted speed limit or Starbucks in and out combo that was along that route. Um, I knew it really, really well. And so I knew that when I passed the exit for Coalinga, for those of you that have done the drive, I knew that I had about three hours left. Um, I'd usually play Death Cab for Cutie's Kintsugi album, which talks about the five a lot. Um... And then when I took the exit for the 580, I knew that if I timed it right, I could get to the bay around sunset, kind of see the golden hour coming up over the hills. And then finally, when I got to Tunnel Road, which I think was exit 5B, um, I knew that I was less than 10 minutes from my apartment, which meant being with my roommates, watching Criminal Minds or some sort of variation of Netflix binging. Um, and so like Koalinga, the exit sign, Tunnel Road, any of the splits on the freeway, worship lines the Christian road for us. Um, and that means three things. Worship shows us where we are, it tells us where we're going, and it gives us something or someone to follow. So quickly before we get into that, I want to clarify what I mean when I say worship and what the psalmist is talking about when we talk about worship. In Psalm 122, the psalmist is describing a gathering that's taking place in the house of the Lord or the Jewish temple, which is in the city of Jerusalem. And that city was prepared by God for his people. So what we might relate that to today is church, really. Um, it's corporate worship. It's not individual worship. It's worship with others. Um, and it's worship that's liturgical or formative, which means that there's consistency to it. There's a pattern in the worship. Um, so while all the facets of our life should be and can be worshipful, what the psalmist is describing here is a very specific type of worship, and that's the worship that we find in church. So as I talk about worship tonight, I kind of want you to keep that framework in your mind. 
Sound good? Cool. Um, so worship shows us where we are. Um, worship shows us where we are in relation to God and to others. In other words, it kind of reminds us where we stand. Um, another way of putting this is to say that worship is a spiritual DTR. Um, when someone asks the question, so what are we? They're kind of looking for clarification on like, how do you feel about me? What are we doing? Where is this going? And so when we ask God, so what are we? He responds to us through worship. Um, he gives us a working definition of where we are with him and where we are with other people. Worship reminds us of what Eugene Peterson calls the great foundational realities. So God created you, God redeemed you, and God provided for you. Again, I'll say worship reminds us of the great foundational realities. God created you, God redeemed you, and God has provided for you. So in corporate worship in the church, we're reminded that we're created by God and for God. Um, but it also shows us how we relate to others, where we are in relation to others. Worship provides us with the tools necessary to kind of stand next to each other and hear the good news of the gospel. In verse 3, the psalmist describes Jerusalem as firmly bound together, and it's a place to which all the tribes go up. So in the psalm, worship is kind of the uniting force. It's the one that overcomes social, financial, geographical boundaries. Um, so where we stand in relation to others is with them, ultimately. Um, and this is kind of a unity. It's not uniformity because it's saying all the tribes go up, right? It's, it's a variation of tribes. But they're united um, because of one thing. They share a destination. They're all going to Jerusalem. So our differences, our diversity, our tribal makeup kind of all serve us rather than inhibit us from reaching our shared destination. Which brings me to the second point. Worship tells us where we're going. Um, another way to put this is while worship tells us where we are, it points us forward. Um, it gives us the structure we need to get where we're going. You could think about it like Google Maps. Like worship is giving us the directions that we need. Um, so like the exit at Tunnel Road 5B, worship lets us know where we're heading and it tells us how to get there. So if any of you have watched The Office, which I don't know how, how relevant The Office is now. I feel like it's like cycled through um, popularity. But if you've watched The Office, there's an episode where Michael spreads a rumor that's true about Stanley. Um, and the rumor is that Stanley's having an affair and that could potentially ruin Stanley's life. So instead of just kind of owning up to it, Michael instead spreads a rumor about every single person in the office in order to kind of like make up for it and cause confusion. Um, and he, one of the rumors he spreads is about Creed Bratton, who's kind of this like old man who's like kind of weird. And um, the rumor is that Creed has asthma, which like doesn't feel like that big of a deal. But in one of his one-on-one -on -one interviews and in, like, true Creed fashion, Creed is, like, questioning whether or not the rumor is true about himself. Um, and he comes to the conclusion that if he does, in fact, asthma, it means he can't scuba dive, which is something he's been, like, working toward. And he says, if I can't scuba, what's this all been about? What am I working towards? And if you've ever found yourself kind of asking those questions, what is this all about? What am I working towards? Um... 
Psalm 22 kind of gives us the answers to those questions in worship. So each week in the church, we're reminded of our purpose or our destination. Um, What this has all been about is praising God, and what we are working towards is praising Him forever. So something that I think is extremely freeing about this idea um, that kind of excites me, honestly, is that it doesn't require you to show up to worship feeling a certain way. If I'm driving home and I take exit 5B to get to my apartment um, and I've just come off of a break, I may feel really excited to get back and see my friends. I could be really exhausted. I could be really bored. Um, I may wish that I had more time to listen to the song I'm listening to. I may even feel like nervous that I'm late, which happens often for me. Um, But the reality is that I have less than five miles left to my house. I have about a 10-minute drive to my house. Um, So the reality that I have less than five miles does not change. And the reality that the exit sign is necessary for me to know where I'm going doesn't change. So whether I'm feeling sad or happy doesn't change the reality of what the sign means. So likewise, worship in the church must be a reality of the Christian life. Um, Eugene Peterson puts it this way. The one and only sufficient reason to go to church is God. Which means you're free to go to church feeling tired or annoyed or happy or joyful or frustrated or sad. Um, And I think this is particularly poignant for us in this time where corporate worship feels really scattered. Um, There's a lot of churches that are meeting online. There's a lot of churches that are meeting distance. There's a lot of churches that are meeting kind of over Zoom, Um, and you're free to show up to a virtual broadcast and be tired. And that doesn't change the fact that you still need it and that God has ordained the church as the place that he wants to be worshipped in as his holy temple. Um, So it means that the state of your heart as you enter worship doesn't determine whether or not it's true that God has promised to do good things in and through worship. We see this clearly in verse 4, if you want to look at it. It says, it was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. So that means God has decreed worship as a necessary part of following um, him because it points us where we're going. But it's it's not just bleak in that way either. The good news is that God doesn't demand heartless or emotionless worship from us. The psalmist does say at the beginning of the psalm um, that when they were going to worship that he was glad. So how can that be true for us and of us? Um, We can be glad in worship because God gives us the the assurance that we need to know that worship is a good thing. We see this through watching and learning from other Christians, but ultimately we see it most clearly through Jesus. We need to follow others up to the house of the Lord on the road. So worship tells us where we are. It shows us where we're going and it gives us someone to follow. Uh, often in order to travel a road, a couple things need to happen first. The road has to be built, planned, hopefully planned before it's built, mapped. The signs must be put on it. Things have to be measured. And preferably before traveling a road, we want to know that people have traveled it before. Um, And worship gives us the assurance that all these steps have been taken already. There have been people on the road before us. Um, And it gives us access to those Christians that have traveled the road. 
we see in this psalm that there's a gathering of people in one place looking to God to kind of unify them and bring peace. So even in the psalm itself, we see an example of that, of gathered worship. And throughout worship, we see scripture um, kind of declares that people gathering in God's name is like core to the Bible story. Um, that is shown often throughout scripture. And while Christianity can't be reduced to that tradition alone, it is comforting to know that God is continuously faithful to that type of worship. Um, for thousands of years, Christians have come together to worship God. So every sign we pass and um, every time we worship in the church, we're partaking not only in this global phenomenon of worship, but also a historical one. Um, we're traveling along the same road that Christians have for centuries. And in that, we have examples. I mean, I can see this even in the church today of like people that are older than me. We have people that we want to be like. We have people to look up to. We have traditions to heed and mindsets to emulate. And these are all really good things. You need to have people that you aspire to be like. But God doesn't just give us the church for that. It's not just for good examples. Um, if, as the Westminster Catechism put it, puts it, humanity's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. If that's true, then the church is the place, even in its brokenness and in its scars, um, which it does have a lot of brokenness and scars, that God has designed for us to glorify him in. And he even goes so far as to marry the church to a bridegroom that ensures that this is true, that ensure, um, he ensures through Jesus that it is a place that is fit for him to dwell. So God not only gives us the church for worship, but he gives us a person to lead it in Christ. So each time we enter worship, we're pointed to the one that has intimately crafted and redeemed us. There's no sign or exit that we pass that Christ hasn't also passed in his life and on the cross. So knowing that Christ has traveled the road before us, we can also know that God has prepared the road for us in him. We can know where we are and we can know where we're going. We can know all of those things. But without Christ, we have no means of getting to those places. And in him, we have someone that guides us. So worship gives us a person to follow in Christ, a person that has not only traveled the road before us, but one that on our behalf worships, glorifies, and enjoys God perfectly. Um, so I'm going to close with ver a couple of verses from Romans 15, and then I'll pray before we head into breakout groups. This is from Romans 15, it's verses 8 through 11. And this is a moment that Paul is describing as uh, Jesus actually worshiping, which I think is really cool, um, and taps into what we mean when we say that we have someone to follow. Um, this is what it says. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs in an order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. 
Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, this space and these people. Um, I thank you that even in this time we're able to meet and see each other's faces and catch up and do silly icebreakers um, and get to know each other better. God, I praise you for uh, worship. I praise you that you have designed us to worship you. God, I read today that you don't demand that we glorify you without inviting us to also enjoy you. And God, we know that full enjoyment is ultimately to your glory. So God, I ask that you would, through um, our friends, through RUF, through the church, that we may grow to enjoy you more, so that when we glorify you, we are fully uh, present with you. We thank you for your son and the ways that he enables us to worship you. And we thank you that he is constantly worshiping you at your right hand perfectly. We pray this all in his name. Amen. <laughs>